Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of your favorite Worldwide Chaos podcast. I am your host for today. My name is Kamal, but you already knew that. Um, this is episode, shit, what is it? Episode 29, I think. Um, episodes coming at you thick and fast now that the season has started. Uh, today, I'm joined by a heavily American-centric panel, but uh, first introducing returning guests as well as regulars. Uh, Mike, how's it going, bro? It's going great, man. How are you? Ah, oh, I can't complain, man. My, my Miami, Miami Heat just won, so I am, I'm very, very excited right now. Yeah, man. I love, uh, yeah, man. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Spolstra has, has actually won me over. I always thought he just kind of had a good team with, with all fantastic players, but he's actually done a fantastic job with coaching this, this season. No, he's, he's legit. He's legit. And Corey, how's it going, man? Was it a long fucking day for you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> long fucking day. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um, thanks for having me on again. How are you? Oh, I'm great, my friend. I'm great. It's always good to have you on. Word. And Marv, the greatest. Uh, it's been it's been a, an interesting few days for you, to say the least. How are you going? Uh, I cannot complain. Everything is wonderful. Uh, there is always, you know, you always have to make big changes and do big things and then achieve big results. No doubt, no doubt. Um, and to the for the guest today, some of you remember the infamous Chelsea Twitter debate, the debate of all fucking debates, the one that got everyone talking. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about, the pineapple pizza and its use on pizza. Um, so for that being said, you should know who I'm talking about. Um, if not, firstly, introducing the newest member of the WWC team, Andrew, a.k.a. Carefree Chorizo, brother on behalf of everyone at WWC. Welcome, my friend. How's it going? Oh, Kamal, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Um, you uh, collectively, these uh, these five guys are uh, popping my podcast, Jerry. So uh, it's a privilege, <laughs> and I uh, couldn't uh, couldn't have picked a, a better group of guys for it. So um, yeah, I can't complain, and hopefully Scott and I will have a moratorium on uh, on pineapple on pizza today. <laughs> for sure, I'm sure you'll get into it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, finally, the biggest, baddest American hooligan, uh, the guy who aspires to be the next Tommy Johnson. Uh, Scott, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm just ready to go mental today. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I know we're in the minority with pineapple pizza, um, but I'm still holding out hope. I think we can we can turn the tides and we can convince the masses. <laughs> no, for sure. And before we get into it, Corey is also from New York, and you're from New York, so. Corey, I need you to tell him on behalf of all New Yorkers that pineapple pizza is blasphemous. It, it, I, I'm sorry, but it is blasphemous. No offense. <laughs> I, just, I, I, can't, I can't convince myself to put uh, pineapple with sauce and cheese. I just can't. It's just, it's just a sin for me. No, but, it's cool. It's cool. I'm guessing you're from like Buffalo, though, right? Thank God. No, I'm more uh, about about three, four hours away, uh, more, more East coast. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And listen, I don't fault anybody who doesn't like pineapple on pizza. I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. I will tell you though, if you don't like pineapple on pizza, my hunch is that you just haven't had good pineapple on pizza. So there are so many places in the city that do it perfectly. There's a whole technique to it. I'm not going to get into it. I'll talk for hours, but I, I'm just telling you, <laughs> I'm holding hope out that I can convert you at one point, Corey. Ah, uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to try it sometime. <laughs> we'll offline this, yeah, for sure. Of course. It's died. Why is it died? What happened? <laughs> we won free one. <laughs> I know you. Did you on a real 
on his level, were you able to catch the game or were you able to watch only highlights? I have watched it uh, almost in full. I found a website to show it to me whilst I waited at the Mexico City airport for 15 hours. So I was able to... 15 hours? Yeah, I slept in one of those sleep pod things and yeah, it was, uh, you know, in a really confined space, uh, you know, uh, didn't have any Twitter arguments, though, so that was a positive. No, for sure. For sure. Um, so to start with, I just want to get literally everyone's initial quick reaction on the on the game. Um, I'll start with you, actually. So go ahead. Like, what was your opinion on the game? Do you think, you know, we got lucky? Was our defensive performance overrated? Just, just you know, get into it a little bit. Um, well, it definitely was overrated because we should have conceded two goals and we conceded one and this is Brighton. So, I mean, um, in total, I'm actually is unusual. Usually I'm very positive when we get a win. But on this case, I've, I was feeling a little more negative in the fact that I think we should have been much better. I know it's a new team and all that, but overall, I wasn't that happy with the performance. It took a lucky goal and a wonder goal to actually win the game. And a lot of the time, those goals aren't going to come. Um, we need to be 10 times better for the game that's coming up. Um, but yeah, no, we'll take we'll take the win. There were good things, but there were not enough of them, in my opinion. Um, in s- most of the performances that I'm hearing about probably were a little bit overrated, but there's probably two or three players that really stood out in, in this particular game. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and Scott, what was your opinion on the game just overall? Yeah, I think anytime you start the season with three points, I mean, that's that's something you should be proud of. But yeah, I hear it. It's Brighton. Uh, I don't think Chelsea played that that great in the first half for sure. Um, but I think it's important for people to think a little long term and realize just the players that weren't on the pitch. Um, there's some American guy. I keep forgetting his name. But no, nah, you know, there's there's so much excitement around a lot of the players that were injured or or just working their way in. So, um, you know, I, I do think that it takes a little bit of time for some of these new players to click. Um, if you think about the fact that Havertz had a bad game or, or not necessarily a bad game, but just not a strong game and Timo didn't score, I think there's there's just a lot of positives to look forward to if, if things start clicking in the future. So, uh, you know, I guess I'll be happy about it. I'm definitely not going to be negative about it, but, you know, we'll see how we we fare against Liverpool. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's an absolutely massive game. Uh, and Mike, well, how do you analyze yesterday's game and, and really, you know, just I, really quick? I think it was a glorified preseason game, really. I mean, I didn't really think much in... I mean, I'm happy. I, I mean, 100% that we got three points. And yeah, we should have we, we should have conceded another goal. But, you know, that that's that's the beauty about soccer, man, is, you know, it's it's all relegated to chance. And in this situation here, you know, luck was on our side. So I'll take many the... for calling it soccer. Hey, all right. It's an American <laughs> podcast. All right. Relax. <laughs> no, footy. Um, no, but no, in, in all, in all, in all seriousness, though, I, I don't. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm with, I'm with Scott on this here. I, anytime we get three points, you, you gotta, you gotta be happy about that. But yeah, I think it was a preseason game. In, in its own right. Sure, just like sloppy and no one's really up to it. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Um, yeah, I mean, look, we can't beat around the bush that the the system that Frank opted for, um, it, it came off as inept, right? There was a, a evident lack of invention. Um, it was a case study in why... Mateo Kovacic was our player of the season last season Um, in terms of we had no one on the field that could keep the ball at their feet 
and and kind of progress us. Um, I would say it was a bit of a disservice to Kai um, to have him on his debut after maybe five or six days of training uh, to be deployed at right wing. Um, you know, I I know that people will shout that. Oh yeah, he's um, he's played right wing. Uh, with Leverkusen, but in the same vein, you know, that that was down to a very implicit chemistry with with that front line. Um, and he was allowed to kind of drift and ghost inward, crash the box, and he really wasn't afforded that opportunity um, against Brighton. Um, and he spent, you know, a, a large part of the game defending as well. Um, so I think that it's true. You know, Marv is, is right that it was a, a game decided by a moment of individual brilliance and a couple of defensive ineptitudes from Brighton. Um, we're fortunate to get three points, no injuries, uh, with the exception of a potential Timo knock, I guess. Um, but yeah, all in all, I, I think that we can regroup uh, by Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm very optimistic about that match as well. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so, you know, Corey's just having a little bit of a difficulty, so I'm going to skip him. But I want everyone to really quick just touch on Kai Havertz really quick because, you know, the, there's a fan base is like, I don't want to say split, um, right. but there's a lot of... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was saying that's interesting. I haven't actually seen what they've written yet, so I'd be quite curious to, to see what my take comes up against. Uh, but no, I'm sorry, continue, my friend. No, you're fine. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's split in the sense that, you know, people were hating or kind of surprised. You know, like, you've got those, you know, idiots on Twitter that expect the best straight away from a £70 million signing. Um, so I know, like, we've all kind of touched on it just a little bit. He was on an island by himself, but Based on your quick analysis of the game, Marv, how, what was your take on, on Havertz and how he performed? Very interesting you said about expecting a big money signing to do well that quickly. Uh, I can't think of anyone like that. But yeah, but no, I think <laughs> point though, I think if people are judging that on his very first game, he's been here for what, like four days? I think it's a bit harsh to, to go on him that quickly. I don't think he played overly well. But then again, I mean, there was that one pass. I mean, I don't know if you guys kind of highlighted that, but it was where he came on the inside and played this incredible pass that even I couldn't see coming. And mm. Werner around the outside got in there. And I thought that was kind of, that looked good. I think if he's more kind of central, drifting to the right, he could be a little bit stronger than he was in this game. But just him playing randomly out wide, I don't think it really works. That, but I would stick with that, that I said that when we were interested in him, that I don't want to see him being used as a winger. Although I did assume that that's what was going to happen. I told you that in the group. I said, I think they're going to play him right wing. I don't think they were going to risk it with Hudson-Odoi. Um, yeah, so it wasn't a, a grand performance from him, but I don't think it's anything to really think about, apart from that random meme where he just launched the ball out of play. But come this one game, uh, we got to get out of that situation where we're kind of expecting everything instantly because it's never going to happen. Some players might hit it, hit the ground running straight away, like Matter, for example. But a lot of great players didn't score at the beginning, didn't assist at the beginning. So give it time. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Scott, analyze Havertz and Timo Werner for me, just based on their debut. I mean, because for me, Havertz was in and out of the game, really didn't do much, but. 
you could tell he was trying his hardest because if you remember towards the end, he like trapped back. I think it was like 80 yards and one of the ball in his box, which was exactly the kind of thing that Frank Lampard loves. So how do you assess his game as well as Timo Werner's first game? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the whole Kai drama, though, if you think about it, I mean, it was just so built up, right? I mean, just the hype around the signing and the fact that it just dragged on for a long time. You know, Fab is is tweeting that it's a done deal, but it just took forever for it to actually be official from Chelsea. And not saying that it, it, it took longer than it should have. No, it, it took an appropriate amount of time for just the amount of money and, and the kind of player he is. But with the fan base knowing that that kind of player was coming in, I, I, I feel like there were almost unfair expectations for him and that a lot of people expected him to come out and just score six goals and get three assists kind of thing. So, um, you know, no, I I don't think he had a good game necessarily, but you know, he had five or six days of training. He looked gassed after that run. So that run you brought up, right. He, He lost the ball poorly, but he hustled. And then afterwards, you know, he was on his knees in the box hung over for you know, a couple seconds and he looked gassed. And so his fitness probably isn't there and that's all going to change as the season progresses. You know, you look on the other side of the coin, Timo was a, a workhorse. I mean, he just, he did not stop running after balls, running after the keeper on back passes. Um, he's a different kind of player. You know, we're so used to having, or at least in the last year, target strikers with Tammy and Giroud. And then you look at, at Timo and he's someone who's going to make those creative runs, almost like a winger with, with some of those runs behind the back. But it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, his vision, uh, obviously what he did with Leipzig and the Bundesliga. I mean, he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. So I felt really encouraged after watching Timo and I don't feel discouraged after watching Kai. I, th- I just think he needs a couple of games and we all need to level set our expectations. Yeah, spot on. You know, he was like exactly how you said. You could tell at the end of the game, he was shocked. You know, his fitness isn't there yet. I think the last game he played was in the Europa League, so it was like over a month ago, no preseason. Uh, Mike, assess those two in specific for me, you know, our two major signings. Yeah, Timo the Terminator, man. Um, he That that dude, yeah, I, I like that dude a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Work, no, Mr. Work Rate, I mean, he, he's got to be, I, I, he's got to be the fastest guy in the Premier League. Oh, he's got to be, uh, for sure. I, I, mean, for, I mean, he's just, he's, that, that whole, I mean, he, Man, anyway, yeah, I'm really, really loving him. Um, you know, yeah, I think he was responsible for two out of the three offsides. So I know that that's that's been a problem of his um, when when it's time to release. Um, but yeah, no, he fantastic. Loved every bit of it. Um, Kai Havertz. Um, I, I think it was just like to, to harken back to what. Um, Andrew said, uh, you know, I mean, putting him on the right wing, I think it was just sort of an experiment that Frank is working on. And, and similar to what he did with uh, Ruben as a winger support striker as well. I just, you know, I think he was just tinkering with some things because, you know, I, maybe they were approaching this as, hey, if we, we get a result, that's great. If we, we don't, that's, you know, it's a long season. Who knows? Um, you know, the the thing is, yeah, we're not even obviously we're not at full strength. So for me, I, I look at Kai Havertz and I go, man, I, I know he's going to come good, and I know it's going to be it's going to be worth every penny that we paid for this guy. Um, especially when we when we send him in the in the in the middle of the pitch, I think that's going to be a, it's going to be a fun thing to watch. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I mean, there's some good, some bad. Marv pointed it out. Um, great pass, uh, great ball. I mean, he also had the. 
you know, the, the laughable, you know, moment, but no, man, I, you know, the fact that he tracked back, um, I think that was great, man. I, I'm, I'm with him. I'm, I'm 100% supporting this signing and I think he's going to be good. No doubt. No doubt. And Andrew, it comes to you finally, just touch on those two for me in specific. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I spoke to Kai at right wing. I, uh, again, it's, it's, um, a little bit harsh. Um, I, I've seen a few, ratings out of 10 that graded him as a five or a six. I think that's a little bit generous. Um, we, we should celebrate the effort that he made to track back and make the tackle uh, when he was dispossessed. Um, but in the same vein, um, yeah, like Mike saying, like he will absolutely come good as a, as a central player. And you, you saw shades of that when he did play that kind of veiled pass um, through to Timo. Um, with Timo, you know, I, I started watching the match with a little bit of anxiety and shades of Alvaro Morata with the first couple of offsides. It, it's tough to attribute if those were... Uh, I thought that Ruben and Mason and I, I believe Jorginho probably could have released him earlier because I was watching him straddle that last man's shoulder um, a couple times. And he, he did a really good job of, of keeping himself on side for a, a pretty prolonged period of time. But the moment that stuck out to me was when he drifted wide. I, I think it might have been Lamptey that was marking him, who had a phenomenal game, obviously. Um, and he knocked the ball forward five yards. It was very much like we, what we saw him do at Leipzig. Um, he knocked the ball forward and just sprinted after it. And he took this kind of acute angle shot, right? It wasn't very high probability. Um, it, it was parried away for a corner. Um, but it, it reminded me of, I, I think it was Pulisic against Palace, maybe, that near post roofed shot. Um, and it, it kind of corroborated all of the stuff that we'd heard about Werner, um, from Leipzig colleagues and, and pundits in the Bundesliga, um, before in that he's, he's a man with a lot of confidence. He's a man that wants to top, you know, this is a guy that wants to win the golden boot. Um, obviously, you know, he, he wants to play a, a role in the team that makes us successful, but he wants to score. And uh, the, the fact that he took that shot, I think in a lot of scenarios that that shot goes in. Um, so that was really that that moment made me feel really, really confident in what a fully fit Chelsea would look like in that now we have two extremely direct players between Christian Pulisic and uh, Timo Werner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like a fully fit Chelsea is just, oh, my God. Just the thought of it is making me a bit excited. Um, Marv, well, I didn't come to you on Team Averna, so go ahead. And without trying to do an impression, please, I know I know you're dying to do one. Well, I want to make small goals in Chelsea. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, um, I have to say, um, I started off with the more pessimistic uh, viewpoint about the, the performance, even though, you know, we got the dub, so that's the important thing. Um, we, we've lost, if we lost viewers, uh, listeners, due to saying uh, soccer, I've just lost the rest of them by saying dub but um <laughs> for me this is the shining light of the game 
he was for me fantastic people giving him i don't know what grade he got but for me would have gotten an eight and, and i think he actually without being too heavily kind of biased towards him because i think he carried the team um i think everything came because of Werner. um he was his runs were were amazing he's always trying to make something happen um one of the previous comments though yeah i prefer i would prefer him in the middle and, and pulisic going to the left definitely um, I, I'm very, very happy uh, with his performance. He was all, always off the ball, work, 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 and that's what I want. But it's not just work, work, work. It's the quality, and he's he shown it. He showed that quality. That ball from Jorginho, who also, by the way, was fantastic. Got to say that that ball was a bit heavy um, for him, and he still got there. Imagine if that ball was for no offense, Tammy or Giroud. They ain't getting to that. They're not even getting right. close to that. And that's no penalty. And he, he managed to turn that into a penalty and start us on the right foot. And I just think the whole game, brilliant for me, Timo. Really happy. And if he's going to play like that for us, when him, if he and Pulisic play for most of the season, we will win this league. But they both have to play. Yeah, that's the only concern, isn't it? And we're going to touch on Pulisic shortly. Um, but uh, with Werner as well, I don't know how many people remember, but he had a dead leg the whole game. Like Ever since that penalty incident, he had a dead leg. And I had no idea. You can tell he was... Yeah, you couldn't tell he was playing hurt. And at the end of the game, he's got his leg wrapped in ice. And he's like, yeah, I had some, you know, pain with the whole game with his muscle. Oh. And I was just like, Jesus, like how? You, you would have no idea. So he was fighting through everything. So it's an insane mentality. Um, but to touch on injuries, I want to get to Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, his performance wasn't good. And I'm afraid and I'm scared that we may have seen the end of the Ruben Loftus-Cheek that we love, um, you know, the 1890 season under Sarri prior to that dreadful injury. And it worries me that he might not ever get back to that level. You know, he, certain players just have that injury bug. If you remember, like, an early beginning, Jack Wilshere. I hate, I hate to compare, but it scares me. So how are we feeling about Loftus-Cheek? And Mike, I'm going to come to you first. I honestly think he just needs playing time. One of the things that I felt about that particular game was... I I felt like if we had gotten an, another insurance goal, second goal, third goal, whatever, um, leave him out there. Leave him out there. Let him get his form. Let him find his form. But when he's not getting ample minutes, it's tough to – I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you should be able to show what you got in you know 60 minutes and things like that, 70 minutes, whatever it is on the pitch, but – Someone like that, you know, that we've we've sort of been operating with kid gloves since he's had that injury. It, I think it's I think it's imperative that we have that he gets the opportunity to play consistently and play in a position that's he's probably the most comfortable, which probably will be as an attacking mid, um, not as I don't feel like not as a support striker or not putting him on the left side like he did, you know, like Frank did, you know. You know, in in the past here, you know, when he did the restart, but um, I, yeah, I, I really think that there's there's a possibility that you know, hey, if we can find a way to get him on loan, do it. Um, if we can find a spot for him that he's getting consistent minutes, I'm all for it, man. Um, you know, case in point, I think when he was you know rehabbing and he was playing with, um, was it the U twenty three squad that he was playing with, or was it the Premier League two team that he was playing with? He was actually doing pretty well. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of consistency and seeing him, um, he'll get that form. I, I, I'm i not willing to write him off just yet. I think it's just, uh, 
you know, we, we've got to have, I think we have to have more time with him. And I think it's, it's going to be a matter of getting him minutes somewhere, somehow. Yeah, right. Scott, how, how do you feel about Ruben? Do you think he's even going to get the chance here? Do, you know, I say the chance, like in the sense that competition is strife now. So do you think, you know, what's, what's your take on Ruben? Do you think he's finished? Do you think he's got a chance? Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on on something there in terms of will he get the chance. You know, the the team is stacked. I mean, Roman is making it rain with cash, right? So clearly, they have um, they're laser focused on on their objective for this season, and and so it's a little harder maybe than if this was um, last year. And you're you're talking about him having a bad first game, and and will he get worked back in? Um, that being said, I think it's really important. Just, I mean, listen, I, I cover both Chelsea and, and U.S. men's national team. I, I think both fan bases tend to get a little reactionary in, in some situations, myself included. Um, and I, I think it's important. It's one game. Uh, you know, let's not jump the gun here. And and he, hopefully he'll get some more chances and we'll see how he performs. It is tough, though. It is tough coming back from an injury. I've seen it. Uh, on the U.S. side with with players that were great and had a lot of potential and got injured and and they never returned necessarily back to form. So it's 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 a sad part of the sport. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm not ready to say that that's, you know, his trajectory. And and again, it's one game. So hopefully get some more chances. He can he can come out and, and light it up and and continue to be the player that everyone thinks he's going to be. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's that's a great Great, great analysis there as well. Um, before I come to you, Andrew, I just before, I forgot to mention, Corey has fatherly duties to take care of. So in case everyone's wondering where he's went, he has to take care of his kid like a good man that he is. Um, uh, good job, Corey. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Andrew, your your thoughts on Ruben? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I I completely agree with with Mike and Scott on this. Um, it is tough to analyze a player who has been given such sporadic opportunities um, to play at a Premier League level, um, especially since his return from injury. And not only his his call-ups, but also the fact that, you know, I, I remember, I think it was against Villa after the restart last season when, he, when he'd come back, he was deployed in a wide position as well. Um, so, you know, it's a similar sentiment to how I feel about playing Kaya right wing. Um, yet, how much can you truly expect from, from Ruben there? I, I think he's a phenomenal player. You know, I always hearken back to that stunning turn that he had against City, um, the Europa League campaign all the way up to Baku. He was absolutely phenomenal. But in the same vein, I, I think we have to have a, a brutal pragmatism about this squad right now. Um, you know, if we want to frame ourselves as title contenders, I don't think that we can let sentiment dictate who is afforded an opportunity in this lineup any given week. I understand we're riddled with a few injuries right now. Personally, in my opinion, I, I would not have deployed Ruben in the capacity that he was in, in the Brighton match. Um, and, and genuinely, I, I watched that match and I, I rewatched it today and I could not tell you, you know, I don't know if Frank was trying to emulate some Nagelsmann 
fluidity across the front line. But I, uh, I, I struggled to figure out what the role that Ruben was playing in that system. So I, I think that a, a good part of it is how he's been managed um, through recovering from that injury. But in, in the same vein, you know, he, he needs to be able to, like Olivier Giroud, come out from the cold and, and be impactful and, and be consistent um, in whatever capacity he's asked to. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think that Ruben can absolutely play a role in this side. And I think that the difference between a midfielder like Connor Gallagher and Ruben is the fact that we were very practical about how we've loaned Gallagher. Um, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to see him at West Brom if that is in in fact nailed on. I would have loved to have seen him at Palace as well. Um, and I know if we ended up selling Ruben within the Premier League that he will have another Palace breakout season because that's just a, a cosmic law of how our transfers go, unfortunately. <laughs> but do you think if he if he did go on loan to a, to a lesser team, he would shine just because of the talent around him isn't as good? Just, you know, just want to get your opinion on that. Uh, yeah, abs- absolutely. I I think that he is a very well-rounded player. And I, I think that um, he he's not by any stretch an average player, right? There's a, right. There's a difference between a mid-table you know, fantasy Premier League staple central midfielder and Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Um, I, I do think he would excel in a uh, in a side where he was afforded a little bit more opportunity. And frankly, he's played in the proper position in my eyes. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I love everything you said there. Marv, what's your take on Ruben? I know you and I both agree in the sense that, you know, we, we have a lot of love for him, but we're also kind of scared that we may not see it, you know, hit his his full potential. Yeah, and that's a big a big point, isn't it? I mean, he was arguably the worst player on the pitch yesterday, which is there are little bits of concerns because obviously his injury was pretty bad, and and yeah, we've got to kind of tr- remember that because I think when he was playing, you know, you also have to look at the the ca- the, the opposition, the caliber of opponent because when he was playing before the injury, it wasn't just a Europa League where he was kicking ass. I mean, he was playing well in the Premier League, and he was soon becoming one of our most influential players. Um, I still think he can get that. I think we've got to give him a bit more time, but there is that kind of uncertainty about whether we have time to give you know at this point you know to to give players and what what i mean by that is not give him time to heal or whatever but time for us to give him that playing time when we're in pursuit of winning i think someone else touched on it being it's quite a top heavy squad now in midfield isn't it so what are we going to do it's it's quite an interesting conundrum i wouldn't sell I, i still think he has it as a player but there are things to think about but I think to this one, we can think about it again when January comes, if a loan for the rest of the season might be better for him. Uh, we have to consider that too, depending if he, you know, his performances pick up or they don't pick up because he's better than what we saw yesterday, in my opinion. That releasing of the ball to Werner was really poor. And there was quite, there's a few instances of that, wasn't it? It didn't look like the Loftus-Cheek, I remember. Yeah, it's exactly that moment. I think that, 
exactly that thing, like you just said, that release to Werner is when most of the fan base on Twitter was just like, oh boy, maybe he might not have it anymore. Um, but anyway, let's get on to something, I don't want to say a bit more positive, but something a bit more fun. We're just going to touch on player ratings for all the players you know, that featured yesterday. Uh, we'll start with Kepa, go individually. Um, we'll start with Mike Kepa. What's your rating for him? Five. Um, I think he had a, no, I, I think he had a good first half. I, I really want to point that out. Um, he had a good save. Um, it looked, all right, so he came out on that ball that we're talking about. It. He, yeah, he he whiffed at it. Uh, he, uh, hey, he at least called for it, all right? That's true. That, that's he tried. <laughs> hey, at least he He's tried. never done that. Uh, no, and, and and this is my thing, right? And and I know that, that that really shouldn't go into anything when it comes to ratings here. But the thing is, like, I'm I'm also looking at this from last season as well. And what I saw was a different guy with a different mindset that first half. Um, mm. Second half, I mean, y- we can make all the excuses we want. At the end of the day, if you are the highest paid keeper in the world. That's a shot you should stop. That's a shot you should stop. And Nick Pope stops that shot 10 times out of 10. I want to point that out. Roman, you messed up. All right? You messed up. You should have gone after that dude. I really (laughs) like that dude. Um, That being said, though, yeah, I I think... um, yeah, I think a five is is where I because I look at it as a tale of two halves, man. Really, I do. Um, not to say that he was a ten in the first half and a you know a five in the in the second half to to whatever. It, it was more or less. I'm looking at it this from like, man, like he wasn't bad, but he sure as hell wasn't good. Yeah, fair enough. I gave him that same rating to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's got to say that, man. And you know, yeah, <laughs> at least he tried. <laughs> you know, in the first half, like you said, <laughs> it's just something I haven't never seen for him. Uh-huh. He's been here, like, come out for a cross, and he, he tried, he failed, but he tried. So, you know, five is fair. Scott, cup up. Yeah, I, I think it's sad we're giving him brownie points for trying. I'm just going to say that. But <laughs> but no, I, I hear you. I mean, listen, I, I'm probably between a four and a five. We can call it a four and a half. Um, you know, you look you look at that missed punch. Um, I played as a goalkeeper actually for an equally um, competitive league. You know, in New York City, New York City Public School, and and so you know, it, it's definitely an embarrassing embarrassing moment when you jump up and and you go and you miss the ball. And and I, I do think it didn't rattle him. I, I think he responded well. You know, one thing I want to say about that that goal that he let in, obviously that went under his his wrist that he should have had is. Um, uh, yeah, sure. That, that's one goal he let in, and I think it was poor. But um, s- separate from Keppa, I want to talk about Lampard. I think Lampard did a fantastic job of trying to um, manage his confidence after the game. I mean, I think we all heard mm. the comments that Lampard said, right? You know, and and he said that he he backs him and he focused on his positives. And sure, the goal went in. I didn't get a chance to see it. I think Lampard said, and you know, we're not going to bring anyone. No, we're not going to. But, you know, if someone comes in, it's just to be competitive. That's what Chelsea does. And so clearly, obviously, Mendy's on, on his way in. And I think that um, just props to Lampard for trying to manage that very, very delicate situation because he still needs Kepa to perform and to have that confidence. And clearly last year, Kepa lacked confidence towards the end of the year specifically. So um, I think that's my focus on on Kepa was how Lampard managed that. But 
yeah, it's one game. We'll we'll see how he plays. You know, the next one. Yeah, that's a very very good point that you made about the the confidence and thing. Because um, mm-hmm. we need as a club Kepa to perform or at least be better than he is. Because right. I think it's evident from reports that are coming out, like solid reports, that Chelsea are having a really hard time getting rid of him. And they want to get rid of him, but at the same time, they need him to be good in order for teams to be interested. So, very good point now. Um, and and uh, Andrew, Kepa, what's your rating on Kepa? Yeah, you know, I I think I'm with Scott in, in somewhere that lies between a four and a five. I, um, I, I will preface this with I want to see Kepa succeed because I'll, I'll probably be a little critical of him right now. Um, I don't think, like Scott said, that we should be celebrating effort. Um, mm. you, know, uh, you know, he came off his line and he had a flimsy wrist to a ball. You know, that, that is something that title contenders don't deal with. You know, Liverpool, okay, they had... Adrian as, you know, a, a very shaky backup in, in their title mount last season. But in the same vein, the, the moment that Kepa conceded the, the far post goal, right? Um, it, I've seen some people say, oh, well, it was a crowded box, etc., those you're right. Nick Pope saves that. Uh, I think most mid table keepers get a hand of that. You know, I, I saw Ramsdale making phenomenal reaction saves from, from point blank this week. Um, those, those can absolutely in, in something that's not a three, one fixture uh, be the difference between three points and a point. Um, so I, I don't think that we can, give him too much leeway in that respect. I I do agree that Frank did a phenomenal job of being very diplomatic and um, in instilling a bit of confidence. You know, obviously in my eyes, I think that the the post-match comments on, on Kepa were a bit disingenuous, right? I, I think Frank knows that Mendy is on his way in. I think Frank knows that after that performance, you know, I I would speculate that I would be surprised if Kepa gets the go against Liverpool, genuinely. Um, So it's unfortunate. I I think he's a a great guy with a great mentality. But in the same vein, you you have to wonder, post-restart, you know, I, I went into this match and I saw Kepa on the on the team sheet. And I thought, Oh, okay, this is, this is phenomenal. Like we, he has had two months to kind of re-examine his mentality, just, you know, meditate away, whatever burden has been obviously occupying him since the restart. And, um, you know, I I know it's a one-off instance that, that Kepa led in that, that goal, but in the same, you know, that, that is what, sets the tone of a match um and were it not for a nasty deflection and a absolute clapper from reese james um you know people people could be coming for his head so i i i'm probably a little bit more critical of of keppa in that sense um but yeah 
Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And, and Mark? Well, um, interesting. Uh, I think most of the points that I wanted to make were kind of taken. Um, although, yeah, we, we can't be praising for, for making effort. I mean, yeah, okay, effort's important and it is very key. But when you suck and you make effort and you still suck, it doesn't really change too much. And for me, it's a four. It's not a 4.5 or a 5. I don't think he was good in the first half, like what was said. Um, that goal we conceded was completely unacceptable. We need to to stay honest here because that goal was shambolic, in my opinion. You should save that. We had an hour to take it, for God's sake. You, there's only one place that that... I can't remember who it was that scored. It's only one place you can put that, that goal, that ball, and it's going bottom corner. To the, to the right-hand side. You know, where else is he going to go? If he put it the other side, it's going to hit one of our defenders. If he puts it in the centre, it's going straight at him. He, the keeper should be able to anticipate this. Um, I'm always consistent in that opinion. Like, keepers should not be getting beaten from there with a shot that's like that. It wasn't... It's not exactly a Neymar Messi placement corner, you know, you know where he comes out and it's a flash and it's a goal. This was a, a tame effort at goal. And I, it, I think... It, it, sorry to cut you off, but I think just yeah. that is that 19... Goals outside of the box since Kepa's been around. 19. And, yeah, and I, I mean, to, there was one guy on Twitter, they call him Tactical Role, I think it was. And right. he said when we signed him, you know, what my advice to other teams would be, shoot whenever you can. And it seems to be true. And also on Matt's analysis, I think the, the article came out yesterday or today, I can't remember exactly, but the analysis said it looked like Kepa was going down in phases. And it did. It was like kind of move, slightly angle body, drop, stretch. And by the time he, he stretches, it the ball's in. Um, and there was, again, he was in no man's land. Even if you look at the mistake we made when the ball got crossed into the, you know, when Reese and lost his man and Kai was nowhere. Um, and I think it was Dunk's header. He literally drops his knee. What is he even doing? Like, uh, uh, yeah, for me, still not good enough. Nowhere near good enough to play for this team. And if we don't change that, we're gonna we're gonna have problems. Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely the weakest link in this team. Yeah. There's not even a question. As I said a few uh, pods ago, and it was uh, met with a few question marks. I think it's more him than it is the defense. There's definitely you know the fact that we concede, like I just said, 19 goals from outside the box. Yeah. I mean, come on, add a few inches to him. Mendy six five. He's getting that. Yeah. I mean, you can accept some of the goals that can of come course. from outside. Box, you know, there are some brilliant strikes, but not 19 of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, let's get on to right back. For me, man of the match, Reese James. I'm going to start with you again, Marv, seeing as you're here. Okay, so Reese for me was in, he wasn't the man of the match, but he was in the top three. I, I took uh, potentially four because part of that chance that Dunk should have scored was on him. But I have to think that goal won the match. And what a goal it was. Without that, so soon after we conceded, we could have been in trouble. Um, yeah, for me, he's a good player. And I, I would say, I'm going to say seven for Reese for this game. Seven. Okay. Um, how about you, Scott? Yeah, I'm going to go with eight. I mean, I, I tweeted this morning when, when Chelsea, Chelsea tweeted that he was the man of the match, that, you know, that ball would still be flying right now if it wasn't for the net. I mean, he just... That goal was so big for him and his confidence. And then you look at the play, obviously, outside of that goal, and um, he was solid. And, and I think everyone saw, uh, which shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people saw the potential that he has in that position, not only for Chelsea, but in terms of uh, him in the league and what he could mean you know, to the league and, and being one of the top players 
Um, so I, I'm excited for him. I, I think this is going to be a breakout season for him. And, and yeah, I think eight's fair. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, you know, I, I would probably say a seven. I would rate the goal as an individual effort um, substantially higher. Um, the the reason that I would say seven as opposed to eight is that, um, and it's kind of like Klopp's dilemma with Trent Alexander-Arnold as well, right? Um, Kai had to backtrack uh, a, a decent amount, right? He He... I wasn't expecting much from him on right wing, uh, but in the same essence, he had to cover for Reese marauding forward a lot. Uh, that is not a bad thing in my eyes. I I think that Reese could play a right wing back as, as confidently as he can play right back. Um, but I'll tell you what the most exciting moment of that match was when Aspie was subbed on, you know, around 85th minute. And we got to see Reese sit in front of that back line a little bit. And I know, yes. you know, you and myself, yes, we've, we've, uh, we've gotten very excited about the prospect of him, him sitting in that deep role. Um, you know, again, that goal was, was shades of Wigan as well. Um, and his, and his form there. And um, I think that the difference between an N'Golo Conte and a Reese James is they can both play box to box in that deep deep sitting role, but Reese will have a pop, and he's he's absolutely confident and willing to do that. And I have not seen him misplace too many of those shots, uh, to be candid. So it was unfortunate not to see him uh, put in too many of those signature crosses, um, but. Again, I, I don't think that that's going to be as imperative for us with, with Timo playing down the middle uh, this season. You know, we, we don't have a big target man, as, as everyone was saying. Um, so I, I thought he had a phenomenal game, and it was a really exciting prospect to see that Frank knows, even, if the, even in the waning five minutes of the match, um, that that Reese can absolutely sit in front of that back line. So I I would say a seven. Fair enough. Uh, before I come to you, Mike, how how great is it that we finally have a proper corner taker? I mean, Reese on corners. I mean, I've this is everything I've dreamed of. I mean, like no disrespect to William, but he hasn't taken a corner like a good corner for us in the seven years he was here, and he goes to Arsenal first game and he has like a blinder. But that's a different conversation. But Mike. Reese, what's your opinion on his game yesterday? Yeah, I think it's I, I think a seven seven point five would be, you know, uh, where where I'm at with that. I, I, you know, he lost his you know he lost his mark a, a couple of times in it, um, which could have which could have been you know drastic in 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 certain instances. But yeah, man, I mean, individually speaking, like like Andrew said, man, that, that goal was, I mean. Oh, that that's that might <laughs> that might be goal of the season it, when it's all said and done because uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming um, at all. Um, but yeah, no, he's 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 really he's it seems like he's got that utilitarian vibe that Frank's looking for as well. Where it's I can I can be in the middle, I can be on the right, I can you, you can put me anywhere and and I'll find a way to to make it work. 
um, and and be a, you know be a positive contribution to to the team or at least the starting eleven. So um, I go back to you know the you know a couple of episodes back. I man, I when Chilwell comes back, I just don't see how Dave gets on the starting eleven. I, I think this is what I think Reese is pretty much solidified that right side or even that that you know that lone defensive mid if they decide to go and employ that at some point down the road. So. Um, yeah, man, 7.5. I'll, I'll land on that, 7.5. Sure, fair enough. Uh, you know, I didn't really expect Reese to, to start off straight away. You know, I, I think I said it on the podcast recently that I actually, for some reason, I thought Aspie was just going to start, and, you know, just based on reliability and, you know, what he gives you. Uh, but, you know, I think Reese is definitely going to be the starter from now on. It's, it's probably just, you know, changing of the guard. Uh, moving on to right center back. Christensen, Marv, I'm going to start with you. Um, well, I think probably, I mean, we could probably go with a solid seven on this one. Didn't make too many errors. I mean, he's not my, obviously it's quite clear he's not my favourite player, but I don't have agendas. I keep coming back to this. Um, sure. Even though I think I don't think he's good enough at his club, I mean, you can't really say too much negative about his performance in this game. I mean, you know, we conceded one, it wasn't his fault. He was pretty solid, I would say, overall. So, yeah, good performance. I'd say, yeah, about a seven. Okay. Andrew? I, yeah, you know what? I I agree with Marv that there there was a moment two seasons ago where Maurizio Sarri made a comment about um, Christensen getting ill uh, due to nerves before a match. And <laughs> it, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, it it kind of made Christensen click a little bit in my head. Um, You know, it it made sense. He's he's a fragile defender in my eyes, but I agree with Marv. I I think the fact that he had a quiet match and the one goal that we conceded, I I think we could all agree that that should be attributed to Kepa. the, the fact that he had such a quiet match was exactly what you want out of a center back, right? Um, you know, I'm I'm not expecting Virgil Van Dyke marauding runs. I'm not expecting Zuma to emulate the Ajax, uh, you know, double step over uh, <laughs> seventy yard run every week. Um, so that is exactly you know, what I'd like out of a center back and as reluctant as I am to put him in a starting lineup any given week, um, I would be hard pressed to disrupt this pairing of Kurt Zuma and Andreas Christensen uh, for Liverpool even. That's not true. That's a great shot. You know, I know some of us, you know, might not prefer, you know, Aspie, I mean, sorry, Aspie, like Rudiger over Christensen, but consistency is key. Rudiger. Uh, <laughs> but then by then, I'm sure Thiago Silva is going to feature. So that's, that's something to think about. Scott, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you know, I think Marvin and uh, Andrew hit the nail on the head. I mean, just a, a quiet game is kind of what you're looking for in this situation. And um, no real big memorable positives or negatives that, like you know, like Andrew said, with, with the Van Dyke kind of the moment. But, um you know, a lot of people were were very against AC. There are some people that are have been pushing that AC agenda, and um, I I don't think it sways either up or down after a game like this. I think it was a good game, and and we move on to the next one. But um, you know, I'd say a seven. Um, 
based on the fact that really there aren't too many tangible negatives to pull from. Fair enough. And while I've got you here, what's I'm going to come to you and and then Andrew right quick. What's give me a quick one word and you know Rudiger AC for your personal preference. I don't think we have your takes on this. So just trying to get your general ideas on who you prefer in general. I'm going to go AC. Okay, Andrew. I I have to concur. It's a it's a meritocracy, and and he's in great form. I can't lie, and he was for Denmark as well. No, but in general, like so, got like from I don't know the time we've been watching them both for Chelsea. If you have to analyze Rudiger and AC, and AC, just who who you're picking off the bat? If you had to start, I would say AC edges him based on youth. Um, in in terms of aptitude in general, I I think it's a crapshoot. So a, AC based on uh, ceiling, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, Mike, so what your your ratings for AC yesterday? There you do. Well, you know, I think he's good. <laughs> my, my bad, I had it on mute. Sorry. Um, anyway, I, I I would give it a six. Um, oh, here here's where I'm at. Um, and I was one of the biggest critics of Christensen last season. I saw a lot of ball watching with that guy, and not a whole lot of, you know, getting back, marking his guy, at least getting goal side on something I, it was just i couldn't imagine like all this hype and the people that supported this guy and i i couldn't see it i really couldn't um i'll tell you man this game the cup game uh playing for denmark um he's or really the man city game i should say I, i'm not doing an about face here because i i feel like rudiger does offer a little bit with you know aerial um, duels and even on set pieces when we're when we're in when we're trying to kick a corner or something like that on his ability to head the ball in but um, yeah six I think he I think he did I think he did I think he did his job and that's all I can ask for with with somebody on the back four yeah fair enough you know with you know like, I think like Andrew said it's quite quite. Okay, my even me Scott. It was a quiet game, and that's what you need from a centre back. You know, no mistakes. You know, when they're not talked about, you know, that's just a solid game. And uh, Zuma next. So Mike, continue, please. Oish. Uh, <laughs> I honestly, man, I, I, I kind of, and I kind of had him. I, I got him as a seven, um, just right underneath Reese. Um, you know, him being able to score that goal, whatever. Um, with be luck or whatever. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, I, he, there's a couple of things here. I think he won all of his aerial duels, but all of his, um, on the ground duels, he lost. Um, so somewhere in there with his goal contribution, I gave him a seven. Um, I, and I think that's pretty standard for what we've seen of Zuma though. Um, not with necessarily with the goal contribution, but just overall his ability to defend track back, um, those types of things. And yeah, I, I, he's a menace in the air. Um, so yeah, I, I think a seven is where I'm at with him. Well, seven solid. And like, he gives you that consistent performance. Uh, Mav, what's your, what's your take yeah. on Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go, I mean, I, I was chomping at the bit to answer that ceiling. <laughs> <Christian> <laughs> question. Oh, go for it, man. 
Um, but I, I was hit on Zuma, yeah, a seven. It could have been a six five, but the goal contribution really helped. Um, no, I've got no complaints about the the centre backs. I mean, I think they both played well in this game. We shouldn't get carried away because I remember this at Crittenden at City, and everyone was like, "He's amazing! Oh my god, God, why is Rudiger ever playing?" And then the next game, he was horrendous. So you know, we've got to take that with a pinch of salt as well. But yeah, no, they were both fine. And if we go back to the ceiling point of view, Crittenden has not yet achieved anywhere near what Rudiger's best was. And and as far as ceiling goes, we maybe with us fans invent these ceilings for youth players that just don't really exist. Because I remember back when AC was playing in Mooch and Gladbach and people were going crazy, and me included, I really wanted him to succeed. Um, but he was still doing those same things, like n- not watching the balls that come in behind. Crosses were particularly a weakness, and those things still exist now. Now, when a ceiling is really high on a player, I think we all see it. But I would say probably Ampadu has a higher ceiling than Christensen uh, in that sense of the word. And I, I mean, we've won some good trophies of Rudiger being main part of the first 11. We've never won anything with Christensen as a mainstay. He's only ever been a bench warmer when we've won things. And um, I think that is quite telling because I think not many coaches have trusted him. And that's the kind of evidence that we have to go on. But I don't want to go against him because he just played a good game. And I think they both played a good game, so both sevens, and hope they keep it up. If they keep it up, then keep playing. Straight up, straight up. Uh, Zuma for you, Scott. Yeah, I love Zuma. I mean, I think it's important for everyone to acknowledge Zuma has officially entered the Golden Boot race. If you think about it, Zuma is on pace for 38 goals. I tweeted that right after it happened. You know, he is gonna he's gonna sh- shake the league up. Now, I mean, listen, it was a uh, you know it was a lucky goal. Um, you know, he played solid. I think, I think the seven is a fair rating, and um, and I, I like I like Zoom as a defender. I like his presence. You know, for U.S. men's national team fans, I think it reminds me of a little bit of a, a Gucci Anyewu, who um, was someone. Love. Yeah, right. You, I you, love the, him. The Gooch, man. Like you, you go against him, and and you know you're gonna have a a challenge, uh, and you're gonna get you're gonna get pushed a couple times. You might get a slide tackle that doesn't feel so great the next day. So, um, I like Zuma. I think he's an important presence from a um, psychological standpoint. You know, he's not afraid to go in for that slide in the box, and and I'm excited to see what he does this season. Yeah, I love Zuma too, man. I think he's definitely. I don't want to say our best, but is he seems to be our most consistent performer so far at the back. Um, and Andrew, to finish it up on Zuma. Yeah, no, I I wholly agree with with Marv and Scott on that. I I think Zuma was comfortably a seven. Um, I think it, it's funny. I think he had a quieter game than Christensen. Uh, you know, I I, I think about. My litmus test for a center back pairing is against Liverpool with with Gomez and and Van Dyke, right? And a lot of times, you know, we went an entire season and it was insufferable with this statistic of Van Dyke never being dribbled past. Um, I think the good thing about our center back pairing is that neither of them are afraid to shy away from a tackle. And I think what they did very well in the Brighton match was um, no one was hiding behind another person's cover. Right. Um, We, we did look a little bit shaky, um, but to be fair in terms of set piece marking, like, like Marv said, you know, it was, 
it was dunk floating back post on Reese. And it was, I think it might've been Lolana or maybe Trossard that were both caught, you know, blatantly unmarked um, back post. Uh, but it, it, it's funny to me that it, it was neither of the center backs at fault. So I would, uh, I, I would give Zuma seven as well. And I think the only thing that separated him and Christensen was Christensen made a, a pretty decent tackle on a, on a through ball um, towards Mope, I believe. Um, I, Zuma is my, of, of the young guys, um, you know, with, with Tiago Silva being nailed on if he's fit and if he's in form, uh, Zuma is my, my go-to center back. So I think he had a performance that validated that stance for me. And uh, yeah, easy seven. Yeah, I know to touch on your preferential center back pairing with Tiago Silva and Zuma, that's exactly how I feel too. Mm-hmm. Um, for Alonso next, oh man, he got destroyed by Lamptey all game. All the, um, but yeah, I'll get your takes first. So Andrew, please continue. I there, there's not much you can say, right? If you uh, if you watch the entirety of that fixture, it's you know it's like watching a a crash in slow motion. You know, you um, your butt cheeks are a little bit clenched. You don't want to see anyone get hurt, but you you can't look away. Um, the most notable highlight of of Alonzo was Jorginho um, hauling into probably the the first decent tackle I've seen Jorginho make in a in a Chelsea shirt um, on Lamptey uh, after Alonzo was absolutely skinned and nutmegged. Um, he was poor. I you know it, I don't know if a four is reasonable. I don't know if I should go lower, but. Um, he was he was dismal. I think from a defensive standpoint, it, it might have been a tactical mismatch. I know Frank's hands might have been tied uh, with Aspie carrying a knock. It frustrated me to see Aspie brought on in the 85th minute um, when we ran an entire game with Marcus Alonso matched up against uh, Lamptey. Um, but yeah, un- underwhelming. Not. Nothing that I can say that is much analysis into that besides watching it. Yeah, I mean, there's the thing with Alonso, isn't it? It's just he can either have the best game of his life or he can do absolutely nothing. There's not really any in between. Um, there was no set piece. There was no back post <laughs> volley. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a four for me. <laughs> sure, fair enough. And Marv, what's your rating on Alonso? Oof. Um, well, actually... I really like the player. I mean, you know, I've been a fan of him since we won the league. And I thought, you know, I love the fact that people hated him. It made, you know, the online Twitter base didn't like him. And it made me like him even more. Um, that being said, this performance, my God. I mean, not only did he get twisted, turned and pretty much thrown into row Z by Tarek Lamptey. He, I, I can't even remember one challenge he won. Um, for, uh, unfortunately, he was the worst player on the pitch, and for me, it's a three. Straight up, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point. I don't think there was anyone worse than him. No. Um, maybe, maybe Kappa, but he, he actually had a save at one point, so yeah, yeah. It sucks. 
Yeah, I think Andrew and Marv hit the nail on the head. But, um, you know, you think about his performance and what did it actually accomplish? It made Chelsea fans miss Lamptey. I mean, uh, you saw it throughout the game. Everybody was just wishing they had Lamptey back. And part of the reason is just Alonzo couldn't hang. And and so, um, you know, it's a poor game. And when you think about the guy's confidence, too, it's against Brighton. Um, it's not like we started off the season against Liverpool. So, um it's going to be interesting to see how he responds when he gets that chance. I'm hoping he bounces back, but that was it was just painful to watch. Um, and you almost knew the outcome when there would be a dribble against him. So you're you know you're looking ahead in in the box to see <laughs> are, are we covered, are we supported? Because you almost knew that he wasn't going to get the ball, and 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 that's not a great feeling for for a defender. So uh, a rating, I mean, yeah, pick, pick a number. Uh, I'll go three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we can't wait for Chilwell to come back. In my opinion, just you know, we need we need someone solid at that at that position so bad. Um, Mike, Mike, and Mike. Yeah, I um, I really don't have anything else to add. I mean, I, I think everybody covered it. I mean, he didn't do he didn't do anything that you know. I mean, Lamptey pretty much just took his lunch money and <laughs> and sat there and ate right in front of him the entire time. Like, I mean, it was. He, he took his cornbread and made him his bitch. And that's just, I mean, it's unacceptable. Um, you know, and yeah, I pick a number of three. You know, that's fine. I, I'm good with that, too. Um, yeah, there was nothing there was nothing there that, that stuck, stood out to me that, oh, my God. Yeah, he did that well. At least Kepa had that save. And, and it was a good save. Um, and I'll go back to that. I, I know that we've sort of talked about Kepa and his deficiencies and his effort, whatever. But yeah, Lance, uh, yeah, I was expecting more from him and we got zero. Straight. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't really expect anything from Alonso anymore. Um, for the next players, guys, I realize we're already at an hour, so we're just going to go give us a number rating. Uh, if you do have a take and you think it's, it's worth saying, then by all means, feel free to do so. Um, so Mike, I'm going to start with you as I've got you. We're going to go Angola Conte. 6.5. Um, he did his job. Sure. Andrew? Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Yep. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. corroborate that. 6.5 is perfect. Okay. Let's go. 7.26. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just to be different. On the nose. <laughs> and Muff? Um, I'm gonna go six point five as well. Okay. What about Jorginho for yourself? Oh, was that was that was that oh, from Jorginho? No, 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 oh. it was Conte, but we're gonna, I'm gonna go backwards now. So no. I'm gonna start with you. I'll work our way back. Gonna be really fair about Jorginho eight. I thought he was apart from Werner. I think he was the second best pair on the pitch yesterday. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, what about you, Scott? I'll give him a seven and uh, the peak the PK hop skip and a jump. I'll give a nine point two. Oh, that is. I, I I never want to see this Bruno Fernandez bullshit again. On Twitter. <laughs> like the fact that you know people think that he's he started you know, it. it. Exactly. Jorginho no, started it. Yeah. Exactly. No, none of this Fernandez nonsense. Um, uh, sorry, Andrew, your take on Jorginho? Yeah, I'd I'd give him a seven. He wasn't outpaced by the official, so you know, bonus <laughs> points for that. That's great. I like that. <laughs> Mike. 
Metronome number. He got a seven. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with him, and yeah, I agree with Marv. Um, I think he was one of the three best players that we had on the pitch for sure. Um, now I've got you. Let's let's. So we're gonna do. We're gonna sneak it. So we got Ruben sure. Loftus Cheeks for you next. Please. Be honest, man. You gotta be honest. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give him a man. Damn it, I'll give him a 4.5. Is that out of sentiment, or are you just doing that to be nice? No, it, I, honestly, man. There, there, there were things there that he did that I that I appreciated, but you know, to, for the sake of time, um, no, I, I think, yeah, I, I, it wasn't good. Let's be fair, it wasn't good. Okay, and then Andrew. Yeah, I mean it. It was a it was a two at best, and I think I would give Frank a, a two for how he was deployed as well. Uh, I think that's warranted. Okay, and Scott. Yeah, I'll give him a three and a half. And you know, I think we touched on it, but um, I am optimistic he's going to come back with with a better game, but just wasn't his day. Yeah, I certainly hope so, my friend. And Mark. Um, with Loftus Chick, I'm going to go four. I think he wasn't exactly the worst on the pitch. I think he just about finished above Kepper for me, but not quite as bad as Alonso. So I'm going with four. Okay, and then you can go next. You can go Mason Mount. Oof, oh, um, oh, oof, I don't, uh, five, five. Wasn't okay. his best game. Wasn't his best game. Sure. And then yourself, Scott. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go five as well. Um, you know, he, he definitely is a workhorse, um, but, uh, nothing really notable from, from out this game. Okay. Andrew. Yeah, I think a five is perfect. I, he had no notable, uh, moment in, in the match. And I think typical Mason Mount, um, he excelled at pressing when we didn't have possession. So Five is is probably uh, perfect. Okay, I'll make a mic. Confirm. I concur. Five. <laughs> okay, I got you. And then Kai Havertz for yourself. You know, five. Uh, considering where he was deployed, um, and and considering the the ball, the and the fact that he backed, you know, he tracked back. Yeah, I, I think a five is fair. All right, five for Kai Havertz and Andrew. It's a five, and I'm very excited to see him play centrally moving forward. Do you think he starts in the middle for Liverpool? Uh, I I would hope so, considering we have a right-winger fit, uh, regardless of how out of favor or unlike team may be. Um, I would love to see Kai Havertz play in that eight or a ten role. Okay, um, and uh, Scott? Yeah, I really wanted to pick a different number, but I, I think five is the fairest. So um, that number should definitely increase for the next game, but I think five works for this one. Sure. Yeah, he was bang average, so that's fair. So, Mark? Um, which one? Sorry, who was this one again? Quick. I have it. Oh, um, yeah, five for me. Didn't do enough. Um, but again, we can, you know, he's only been here for a couple of days. But yeah, I, I did expect quite a substantial amount better than what we got from him in this first game but there's nothing to no no need for drama five okay and timo vano for yourself Oof. um eight but an eight and man of the match in my opinion as i said at the earlier on in the pod i think he carried the team 
um, with his runs, with his even running with feet, trying to get stuff to happen all the time. I think this is going to be a serious player for us. So eight and man of the match, you said? Yeah, eight and man of the match for Werner. Just about him, just about you know, Werner, Werner first and Jorginho second. Okay. And uh, Scott, who's your man of the match as well as your rating for Werner? Uh, yeah, no, it's same. It's, it's Timo. I, I'll give him an eight and a half. I, I can't be, you know, restricted to these whole numbers. So, um, <laughs> so no, I, I thought he was phenomenal. I, I thought, um, he did a lot that doesn't go on the stat sheet, which is also, you know, my biggest argument about Pulisic, right? Like, you know, his ability to draw defenders, to make those runs, um, to continue to run after the goalkeeper on, on back passes and just be a menace in, in that final third, um, obviously drawing a penalty, I, I think eight and a half is, is very fair. Sure. And, uh, Andrew, man of the match and rating. Savannah, please. Uh, yeah, no, uh, completely agree with Timo Werner for man of the match. I, I think it was a seven, seven, five, eight performance. Um, like Scott said, the way he occupied those two center backs and also Lamptey when he drifted wide with those runs. Um, he is going to put in goals uh, like that near post attempt I said he had. Um, and I cannot wait for that to happen. I think he, I think he scores direct against Liverpool as well. Okay. Yeah. I'll, oh my God. I would love that. Just the rub the crops face. You uh, and me both. <laughs> exactly. I'm making my, yeah, I, I think Reese is man of the match, um, but I'll, um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll agree. I mean, I, I, I think it's fair. I mean, he did sort of disappear in the second half a bit, um, but I, it, I, that could be attributed to you know the knock that he had after getting the penalty. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's bagging a brace against Liverpool. I think that dude is pissed off. And that's that's something I'm really looking forward to if he's healthy. And yeah, let's see it. Okay. Um, I want to get on really quick um, on Christian Pulisic. Um, he's reported to pick up a knock, and then it was kind of reported also that it's kind of just an extension of him not being fit um, yet. How how worried are we that he might have another injury plague season? Do we think that this is just him? Um, Scott, I'm going to touch with you because you seem to be more knowledgeable on the on the whole American football team than I am. So, what's what's your opinion on Pulisic? Do you think he's going to be one of these injury prone players, or is going to be able to shake that? You know, it's nice that you said knowledgeable and not obsessed. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, a bunch of people are. I see it all the time in my mentions. I see it on on Chelsea's mentions about how he's injury prone. No, I, I, he's only had a couple of years. Um, in the big leagues, if you think about it. I mean, he, he's a young guy, and um, he has 15 years ahead of him, you know, maybe, right? So I, I, I don't think he's injury-prone uh, in terms of this specific injury, and will we see him again? I was a little concerned about Lampard's comments. Um, this seems to be either um, an additional injury um, or he re-injured uh, the specific hamstring. I will say it's a little concerning the ambiguity around all this. Like we're not getting much information in terms of specific body parts, what kind of injury, et cetera. That's concerning to me. Um, I know Chelsea has experienced a lot of injuries. Um, so 
I don't know if that's normal for APL teams or not. You know, I'll defer to some of the people um, on this call. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of question marks about uh, everything surrounding the situation. I want to see him as soon as possible. I know the hooligans uh, on my account want to see him as soon as possible. That being said, this is a serious in, in, um, injury and obviously I want him to take it slow and work his way back in so he doesn't re-injure himself. Sure. Um, Marv, real quick, are you, how concerned are you about politics or am I kind of overlooking this? No, I'm, unfortunately I'm extremely concerned. And the reason why I say extremely, I mean, I, I pretty I put my everything on the line because I believe he will be an incredible footballer if he doesn't keep getting injured. It's very concerning because he's had like four of them already and he's only played for a season. Um, I just hope it isn't him and it is something that will, and it's just that injury that he previously had. I pray that it's that because if not, we will, it's, it's constant. It's worrying, especially when we've got a player who literally could be a top five in the world. I, I think he could even be more. Um, every time he plays, it's exciting. Imagine pairing him with Werner up front. I mean, and then also we've still got ZX to come back. I mean, that is an exciting freaking team and I want to see it. And I don't want to see it once every five games. I want to see it. Sure. Yeah, can I just jump in there? I mean, I think part of, of the pro- part of the problem is he's he's a north to south attacker, right? Like he goes straight at you. Look at the Liverpool game last year. He goes straight at four defenders, winds up with a nutmeg, and then crosses it in for an assist. Like he's not afraid to stray uh, to go into contact, and he doesn't stray away from it. And so I think that's part of the problem. And he's so fast. Um, which can make him a little more susceptible to injury. So, Marv, I think you're 100% right. It, it's concerning to see it with the potential that he has. At the same point, um, you know, he's been going full speed, full throttle. So, I'm hoping he can recover and then work out a system and, and a training program that that hopefully prevents him from picking these up in the future. Maybe that's just being optimistic, but that's my thought process. That's true. Marv, do you have a response to that? Uh, yeah, no, I think, and hopefully he's right. And I think, obviously, remembering he's still very young, right? So, you know, hopefully those small things, it can be done. But I do agree, he's, he's straight up and down, isn't he? Um, I remember he, in one of the USA games, it happened, he pulled. That hamstring has happened a few times to him, hasn't it? So maybe that could be why. But, I mean, hopefully it won't be a recurring. Hopefully he plays someday, it's a bluff, and we, we kick their ass and significantly enhance our title chances. Absolutely. Um, and Andrew, what's what's your take on, on politics? Are you are you worried like I am or are you kind of more optimistic? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a, a combination of what, what Marvin Scott both said. Um, I, I think that with him being so young, um, it it is alarming, right? It, it, it's not something that we should take lightly. Um, if this is something that's recurring, uh, that's that's terrifying to have in the nascent stages of his career. Um, in the same vein, I think that he, um, you know, we're fortunate. We have a phenomenal left wing understudy in Timo Werner. Uh, it is a shame to play him on the wing when we, you know, the, the intent was that we signed him as a, as a target man. Um, but I, I genuinely for Liverpool, if uh, if Pulisic is not eligible, I do believe that Timo Werner should play left wing. Uh, looking at the absolute mare that Trent had against Leeds, um, I think that Timo Werner could expose him genuinely. No, no, I completely agree with you. And we discussed this on Twitter too. 
you know, Giroud can handle the physicality of Van Dijk and Gomez. Not mm-hmm. that ball off to Timo Werner. Timo Werner is going to destroy Trent. And yeah, that's a great, great point. You know, I, I definitely would like to see that. Worst case scenario, you know, it, it, if Trent is compelled by Klopp to stick with Timo, you absolutely eliminate one of the biggest dangers of that Liverpool side in my eyes with Trent. Solid point. Solid, solid point. Um, and Mike, Mike, so your, your thoughts on, yeah. on policy? Are you, are you worried? Are you okay? No. Are you optimistic? Are you scared? Um, I'm not worried. Um, because and I'll, and I'll say and I'll preface this with like when the, the timetable that was given to us after you know the hamstring injury put us I think right after the Liverpool game. So for if, if I'm operating under the assumption that hey the, it was another you know it it's really he he just he's not fit just yet or it's whatever. Um, yeah, that, that's that's fine. I, I wasn't. You know, I mean, when I heard that, oh man, he's about to, he's he's going to be ready. He's going to be on the squad for Brighton. I was like, what the hell? Um, that's pretty uncharacteristic of of our of our training staff because we seem to not be able to prevent injuries at all, much less be able to have somebody recuperate in, in a timely fashion or even a, you know beforehand. So you know, uh, going back to what Scott said, I yeah, he's a young dude. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Too worried about him. Um, everything that he's everything that he's shown me is that this is a guy that's determined. He's driven. Um, he's I, I would one hundred percent believe that you, the best is yet to come with this guy, and I, I bet you we get to see more of it this season. Um, in in this in the sense that he'll be more available. Agree. Yeah, no, that's a great point. The fact that you mentioned that the initial report was, I think it was like six or seven weeks, and then. He's come back to early. So, yeah, it's probably just me just being a bit scared. Um, I want to have Scott just kind of speak real quick on the future of the men's national team. Um, and by I mean that as the U.S. men's national team, obviously. Um, there's, I'll be honest, I'm not just trying to smoke, you know, blow smoke up your ass, Scott. I think you're, you're extremely knowledgeable on the, um, on the men's national team. Uh, before I do get to you, Marv does have to leave. Um, so I want to thank you, Marv, for everything you've provided for us today, as usual. I know you're in Mexico, so there's a lot going on. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, my friend. It's been an honor to come on. Really enjoyed it chatting to you all, as always. Can't wait for the next one. Hope everyone enjoys it. Great chats, as always. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Take it easy, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, hey, thanks thanks for tossing it over. I, you know, I know probably a majority of the people listening to this are are mainly Chelsea fans, and so... Um, I'll keep it top level. I'll keep it brief. And, and thank you again for the kind words. Um, sure. l- listen, I, I got into um, making the account American hooligans just because of the passion for the U S men's national team. And obviously I'm a Chelsea fan as well. And there's a lot of really exciting things going on, um, in the program. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of top talent and I know the hooligans are going to be mad at me for the names that I don't include, but, um, let me just talk about some of the players playing at these different clubs, because <laughs> when you think Please. about the when you think about USA, you know, ten years ago, and you think about the team that we could gather together to make a, a squad. I mean, we had probably, I would say, fifty percent MLS, if not more. And um, you know, now our our our, our best starting eleven is going to be almost entirely euro based which is so encouraging and so you know we have Gio Reyna who's 17 years old and I think a, a couple of you saw some clips that I tweeted about he had a goal in, in the 
um, in the German Cup um, a couple of days ago, and and he's he's 17. He's playing for for uh, Dortmund. He's extremely uh, important to their squad, and um, the sky's the limit for him. Obviously, we got Pulisic. He's our captain. We have Con- Conrad De La Fuente, who has actually <laughs> got a first team ex- um, first experience with Barcelona a couple of days ago as a preseason game. So um, super exciting there, and then. Wes McKenney is one of my favorites, and Kamal, I think you're a fan as well. Who? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he 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 just got transferred to Juventus. Um, seeing pictures of him with Cristiano Ronaldo and Pirlo, I mean, it's just it melts any American soccer fans or or football fans' heart. A um, couple others, quick, just super quick. Tyler Adams at Leipzig. I think he's going to move to a big club in a couple of years. Same kind of path as Timo. I mean, um, he's becoming, I think the quote from the coach today was that he's the quarterback of the team. And then you look at Sergino Dest, who is playing for Ajax, and and that whole dynamic between choosing Netherlands or, or choosing the U.S., I mean, that was so much drama. And and we're so happy to have him. Oh, First and uh, last but not least, I should say not first and foremost, last but not least, Zach Steffen, um, one of my favorite people in general. Uh, he's the goalkeeper for the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, he yeah. actually he actually sent me a jersey from uh, from Dusseldorf signed. Oh. Yeah, he sent me a jersey. I won a raffle and uh, oh my and God. he sent me a handwritten note. You know, said that he appreciates. Oh. Uh, um, he's just such a nice guy, and um, he's actually doing a lot of work for. Um, you know, uh, he created the account Voice Now, um, which is he's focusing a lot of work on uh, uh, racial injustice and, and correcting oh, yeah. that. And so he's just a great guy on and off the pitch. And so we have a lot of top talent. He's at Man City. He'll probably feature in the um, in the cup next week. So um, oh, he's lot- actually part of the squad. He's, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. He's number okay. two. Yeah, he's number I two. He's not gonna, know that. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna challenge. I mean, he's he's probably not gonna play many league games but he'll play some cup games and and he's a fighter he's gonna work hard so super pumped we have a lot of uh you know really exciting things going on and if you're uh if you're a usa fan and and you're wondering you know what's going on we didn't make the world cup the future's bright and and definitely book your tickets for 2026 absolutely what's your your thoughts on sorry timothy whale oh way of course yeah so i I said george whale I said that the Hooligans <laughs> are going to get mad at me for the names I forgot. I, c- I could talk for hours. But, yeah, Wea, you know, he, he got injured. Um, he's at Lille in, in the French League, and um, he um, he's back from injury. He's starting to get some minutes, which is really encouraging. He's going to be really important for us on the wing. So. I like really that sad. dude. <laughs> yeah, he's great. What's your thoughts on Josh Hodgett, man? I love Josh. I mean, he, he plays for such a shit team, right? So he plays for Verder and uh, – and oh man, it is brutal to watch. the 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 most challenging team to watch for USA fans last year was Schalke, watching Wes. And um, second would be Werder Bremen. So Josh is a great attacker. He, you know, he holds up the ball. He can uh, he can make some nice runs. He's he's tough in the air. Uh, I really think this is going to be a breakout season for him. Um, he's already looking super sharp preseason, scoring a bunch of goals. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. Josh is my dude. I, I'm excited for him. Do you have any any knowledge on the Canadian team at all? <sighs> Not much. I mean, obviously, we all follow Alfonso Davies and what he's been doing right. for Bayern. And it, it's super encouraging. I mean, in terms of my knowledge on the Canadian team, sure. I mean, we match up with them in CONCACAF, and, and we're obviously going to play them in World Cup qualifying. And so we scout them a little bit. But no, it's, it's not really an interest of mine to, to follow that team. 
Sure, no doubt. No, I was just curious because Corey and myself are massive fans of Jonathan David. Um, oh. You know, the, the fact that he's gone on to, I think it's, it's Lil. Um, it's, it's a big thing for him. I think, I think it's going to be, you know, I don't know why, but I've got this hunch that he's going to be really, really good and he's going to come to the Premiership soon. That's just, that's just my fault. Yeah, it's just it, it's a great time for for North American, you know, uh, soccer football, however you want to say it. I mean, it, it's a great time. Seriously, I'm not just saying that because I have an account, uh, but uh, but there's a lot of top talent come through the pipeline, and, and you just look at it over the years. And you know, I mentioned this a, a couple of days ago on a different pod, but if you look at the market share of of viewership in the U.S. Um, by sport you'll see a decline in baseball and some of the other top sports and you'll see an incline in, in viewership among um, watching soccer. Right. So uh, it's not much. I think the last graph I saw were at like eight or 9% market share soccer in the U S but uh, it's in, it's increasing and, and, and it's growing and that's important. So I do think a lot of people are, are picking up on it. I think more viewership in the Premier League. I think more people watching our our young Yanks abroad and our national team. It's just going to be a very important sport in about five ten years. No doubt. Um, you know, Mike, where was where was Scott when we needed him in that podcast we had, man? He was it's like perfect. Bro. <laughs> Which one? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. We had a we had a pretty lengthy discussion about Pulisic and his influence on uh, and and we actually talked about American football, soccer. Oh wait, Mars not here. Yeah, soccer. Oh, we can uh, call it soccer yeah. now. Mars. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. but no, uh, but no. Um, the other thing, you know, what's cool, man, is uh, you know, obviously, you know, living in Austin, um, with my compadre over here, Andrew. Oh, uh, I know, bro. Hey, uh, Claudio Reyna, um, he's in charge of personnel with um, Austin FC. Yeah, so it's. I, I, uh... I think that's franchise, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. Let's go. Do you both uh, watch MLS? Do you follow that? Are you more into um, the international leagues? Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a masochist. So yeah, I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) It is, uh, it is like watching an entire season of Chelsea versus Brighton, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to sum it up. No, no, my my thing is, if if it's on DraftKings, I'm playing it. And it is on DraftKings. Same thing with the Mexican League. So, yeah, I I follow a lot. Um, And, yeah, this all got sort of... I I, I was inspired because my son decided to to pick up and start playing. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I should probably start watching some games and start learning. Um, and then it was just kind of like, oh, I can bet on this. I'm all in. Let's go. Yeah, I know. You know what? And I know MLS gets its criticism and I'm definitely not someone who, you know, uh, cheerleads for for MLS by any stretch of the imagination. I focus on the, the Yanks and the national team. But I, I am optimistic, too, that that league is is going to start to take off, especially with their integration with um, the Mexican league as well. Um, and just having talent go between both pipelines. So, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just a really positive guy, but I feel, I feel really encouraged about the sport in the States. And, um, unfortunately Peacock likes to put a, a paywall behind these games, but, um, if we can get more people watching, watching the sport and, and cheering it on either watching inter- international leagues or domestic, I think it's a good thing. And that's, that's the main goal. 
Oh, 100%. Uh, I, I put, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Andrew. Go ahead, Ethan. Oh, no, no, no. I was about to say, I just appreciate the out-of-context peacock uh, <laughs> slight, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's try. I'm it's still, better than NPC Gold, though. Upset. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah, abs- absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you know what? Mike and I will be, um, you know, conveniently MLS, further MLS supporters, um, you know, besides his masochistic tendencies um once you know the 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 expansion themes are exciting and um i know that there is a a ton of excitement within austin for the uh austin sc expansion so um we cannot wait collectively i know mike and i will probably be you know in a in a ditch um outside of the austin fc stadium uh, oh yeah you know 10 minutes after after kickoff, probably realistically, so um, es- so we can't es- wait. Yeah, es- escorted out, being full blown Karens. <laughs> yeah, it, hey, exactly. Any chance to meet Matthew McConaughey, part owner of Austin, right? So you know, you gotta you gotta roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. splits his time between Chelsea and and Austin FC. To be fair, that is also true. That is also true. Like, Chelsea have an insane random fan base of like. Superstar actors and Gordon Ramsay. Oh, yeah, Ramsey. Ramsey, Will Ferrell, JJ Watt, Josh Hart, yes. Yep. Yes. Bill Clinton. That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> what? He, he named his he named his daughter. I'm not I'm not making sure. that up. <laughs> he did not name that, that, yes. Clinton. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Mike Mike poured the second glass, didn't he? He poured the second glass. <laughs> oh no, I did. I, it's, it's there. It's uh, there, bro. Yeah, frattiest associate of Chelsea Football Club by leaps and bounds goes to Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, he uh, no he no he was a he was a Rhodes Scholar, so he he went to school out in Oxford. Um, and my understanding is that yeah, he became a Chelsea supporter. Um, Obama, I believe, is West Ham. Uh, it's probably yeah. because of the fucking movie, isn't it? It's got to be. <laughs> it's like Green Street and Green Street. I mean, he's got a freaking Mia Khalifa as a fan. That's the only reason she's a fan. Yeah. Also, a uh, resident of Austin, Texas. Who is? Oh, she oh. is. Mia. Oh, okay. I know. I know. I know she's Floridian, but well, I say Floridian. Like she went to school here, but yeah, uh, fair it's only Floridian in occupation. Come on, come on. <laughs> Sorry. I mean. Well, this this podcast got way out of my context, but we're <laughs> <laughs> talking about me and Khalifa. Um, but no, I appreciate everyone's like context on on US on US football, and especially you, especially you, Scott. Um, well, we get onto something a little bit more fun. We, this is you know, come on, what we do on Twitter, it's it's food takes. That's what I do. That's what we do. This is all how our interaction started and how we became friends. But I want to know what's the most blasphemous food take that you may have heard. Uh, for me, it's that. I say it's blasphemy. It's cheese is overrated. Someone told me that cheese is overrated. It's absolutely, I, I, I refuse to accept that. But Mike, what is the most blasphemous food take you've been told? If you know it off the top of your head, or if you the have most, to think, I can come back to you. Oh yeah, I mean no. Um, the most blasphemous food take, man, is that you need vegetables on a burger. Oh, that's a good point. You you, you don't. Uh, you really don't. You could just put. You could stack it with onion rings. I guess that's a vegetable. I mean, if it's fried. Um, uh, yeah, dude, like, you don't need that. And <laughs> you, you absolutely don't. Um, and I'm here to tell you that 
you're not alone if you don't like veggies on your burger, bro. Like, I'm I'm here for you. And I'm, hey, you want to put three patties on that sucker? I'm with you, bro. We can do that. <laughs> Is that 100%. 100%. Like, I'm with you. Like, three cheeses, three, three patties. Hey, I, I'm not here. I'm not here for a long time. Yeah. I'm here for a good time. <laughs> That's a beef loving Texan if I've ever heard one, man. Poke them horns. <laughs> <laughs> YOLO. YOLO, yeah. Stop it. Does anyone else have to chime in on that? We all in agreement? Uh, no, yeah, I, I I think Mike's absolutely spot on. Uh, and my my controversial food take was going to be in a similar vein. It actually had a little bit of a narrative behind it. So back in 2017, Google released, I believe, a, a set of emojis or something along those lines where they put a hamburger emoji where the cheese was nestled on top of the bottom bun. Uh, yeah. Oh, what? No, no. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I I, th- I think that's it's absolutely heretical. And I, I think we're all probably you know, we, we have a quorum here that that is absolutely egregious um, yeah, to have cheese. Yeah, I mean, what kind of lazy culinary blasphemy is it where you're <laughs> melting cheese onto the bottom bun? You know, we're, we're not making 3 a.m. blackout drunk grilled cheeses, you know? So <laughs> that, that, that's up there for me. I would say in a less, in a more divisive way, um, I'm not a flats guy in terms of wings. I, uh, I'm drumsticks or bust. And I know that this was a loosely tangential topic that Mike prompted, that, that you facilitated oh, Kamal yes, around yeah, boneless, boneless wings. wings. Yes, yes. No, yes. no. Boneless no, wings are just yeah, giant, call, giant nuggets. Sorry. No, call, call, call them by their name on the menu. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. call them by their name on their menu. If, if if it's popcorn chicken, it's popcorn chicken. If I go to if I go to Sonic, it's popcorn chicken. <laughs> if I go to KFC, it's popcorn chicken. I get it. If I go to like Pluckers, it's Buffalo Bites. That's if I yep. go yeah. If I go somewhere like Buffalo Wild Wings, it's boneless wings. Hey, I just call it by its name, and I'm I'm here to also tell you, uh, I don't I don't have to get my hands dirty if I'm eating those. That's a straight. That's a straight stabbing with the fork, and I, and I don't. The thing and, is, you and, prefer you prefer wings off the bone. They're not wings, then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. They're yes, they are. are. It's if if it's wait, I just I love how you're saying called by the name, but like popcorn chicken, like who who yeah. made that name? Do you know what I mean? Uh, it would be the Pepsi uh, Pepsi company. Uh, the, the Does it have popcorn in it? Like, I mean, come no. On. It, it, just, it looks like when it's when it's presented to you in the in the in the in the, box. In the container. Yeah, in the box, it's like, oh, okay. I'm I've got a little thing of popcorn here, but no. in reality, it's like I'm playing with you. Chicken I'm nuggets. With yeah, you. Wait. yeah, but yeah, no. yeah. Call it by its name, and I'm good with that. And yeah, if, if you why why would I get my hands dirty? You know, you guys are over here messing with those wet wipes. That's mm. cool. I don't have to worry about all that. Well, I will say on the the topic of wings, I, so I am a, a flats guy. I'm, I'm a wing guy, right? Not not the not the drum. And I love <laughs> I love finding someone who's the opposite. I mean, that's the perfect match. You're at a game and you find someone who's the opposite. Oh my, uh, you're you're good to go. Scott, twenty twenty 
six, man. U.S. in the uh, in the semis. We're, we don't have to, uh, we don't have to fight over wings. We're good to go. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's perfect. Yeah, yin and yang. I will tell you though, my my egregious food take, which I, I, I don't know if either any of you uh, share this, but um, some people are really adamant about not putting ketchup on hot dogs. And oh to, no, you have to. You have Sorry, to. Man. Yeah, yeah you, ha- you have to. But yes, some, pe- some people think that that is ruining the hot dog, ruining the flavor, mustard only. And, and for oh, me, oh, that's, oh. Just, that's just not American in my mind. <laughs> what are you ruining? Out of curiosity, you're ruining a, a pre-cooked, basically boiled <laughs> dog out of a street cart with <laughs> yeah. ketchup? Yeah, it's not like we're oh. talking about a filet over here. Like we're talking about a hot dog. <laughs> yeah some people i don't know some people hate on ketchup and and i'll tell you i'm not one of those people the the I, I one thing that i did want to touch on that i please, I, I don't know who it. prompted it um we we had a conversation about tacos versus burritos yes, versus sure. this this is something that and, and mike can attest to this there are a lot of california transplants uh in austin texas And they swear by the burrito. They swear by the breakfast burrito. They think that it is God's fucking gift to humanity, just like Californians. Um, (laughs) And I, you you know, I'm a taco guy. I, uh, I I think you can carve it out a couple of ways. You know, are are you flour? Are you corn on a whole with a taco? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean those I'm are those are good this. points. Are you are you hard? Are you soft taco? I mean, listen, I actually am a taco guy as well, but it depends on what's inside, right? So if we're doing if we're doing um, if we're doing beef, I'm going to go tacos. If we're doing uh, maybe carnitas, I'm going to throw it in a burrito. And uh, you know, I don't want to be judged by Kamal by that, but that's just how I play. Oh, that's fair. If we're talking overall, I think we've all agreed that, I don't know, maybe besides Mike, I think Mike's Maria, right? I am. Yeah, I no, I absolutely right. am. I mean, no, but when it comes to breakfast, uh, no, I'm not messing around. I'm, I'm going, I'm going with the taco, I would say eight times out of 10. It's when I, when I know if I, if I've got a good rapport with the place, I'll venture out and get that burrito. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, if, if it's like, if I'm, if I'm at Freebirds, what am I doing here? Uh, I'm I'm getting that burrito, dog, and, and not only that, I I can load it up. Like I can't like. There's only so much I can load up with a taco before it starts to fall out. With the burrito, yeah, like Al Pastor tacos are just like. I don't no, no, no. I I'm yep. no. You're absolutely. Yep. You're, you're on point. Yep. I'm not. I'm not gonna fight you on that. Like, <laughs> not getting. A, I'm not getting an Al Pastor burrito. Though, exactly. like, yeah, if, uh, if they I, made them, absolutely in yeah, a heartbeat. But, by the way, well, yeah, but but if I'm going to some place where I know that I can get like, I can put a bunch of stuff in inside of it, yeah, I'm gonna get that burrito, and then and then if they're like, hey, for an extra buck, we'll fry it for you. Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get a chimichanga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. Yeah, can I just true. can I just do a quick shout out to those who are still listening to us talk about food? I just want to yeah. questions to do, but like no, this is way too good. Yeah, this is no, I, I appreciate you all listening to this. I mean, this is this is very serious stuff and it's important. I hope everyone's taking notes. <laughs> exactly. Like this yeah. is this is, this in, is a, the panel. in a divisive in a divisive year like twenty twenty has been, this is you know, this is 
our, our serious tone, you know. Yeah. This is important. We need this. <laughs> no, this is the panel. This is the panel to talk about food. And you don't listen to anyone fucking else but us. But I will say, I will say, Kamal, I think I really appreciate you doing, you know, food tweets every day or a couple times a day. I think it's important for a little levity on the timeline. I think it's important to give me a chance to roast you. And I think it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just, I think we all need to see, you know, some of these egregious food takes you have because I think it makes us, it makes us feel better about what's going on, you know, in our lives. So I, I appreciate you. I appreciate. <laughs> I will say, if we have to bring up one one food take that I got horribly wrong, I I thought um, puffy oh, Cheetos. Destroyed. I got destroyed on that. Yeah, that was bad. Puffy, I thought puffy Cheetos. I think they're an experience. They're fun. It, it takes it takes a little longer to eat, so you're not just shoving it down your face. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I got I got destroyed. Like I said, I'll mess with them. I'll mess with them. But like if you have some choice, yeah, I'm taking crunchy with it. Getting the pause, dog. <laughs> yeah, the Cheeto pause. <laughs> puffy, puffy was uh yeah, that that was uh, a pretty um divisive take, Scott. I can't lie. Um the the filmy feeling of letting a puffy Cheeto dissolve on the roof of your mouth is <laughs> absolutely just egregious to me. It, it, I, I, I cannot wish that on my worst enemies, genuinely. Well, but I, I, I do respect your view, to be fair. You're, you're very intelligent, and you've obviously poured a lot of thought into your position on Cheetos. So yeah, that's why I love Andrew so much. No, I, I, you know, someone said, um, they're messy. And I said, no, they're, I mean, they're, they're both messy, you know, puffy and crunchy. And then Kamal said, have you ever given a puffy Cheeto to a three-year-old? And I was like, fair, you win. You know, you win. It's game over. Game over. Like I said, debris is everywhere. (laughs) No, I've got like I said, I've got a three-year-old. That's why I said it. My 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 kid loves the puffy ones, and all you have to do is give him one, and it's game over. Game over. Game over. Orange everyone. Final final food take before we get onto Twitter questions. It's what is ever what is the number one dessert? I'm gonna go to everyone, and then I'm gonna give you mine. So, Mike, you have a choice on one dessert. So cheesecake, ice cream, whatever it could be. So what are you taking? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I guess for dessert. I don't say churros, you freaking Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, you, where this comes from, man. All right. Um, <laughs> but those are pretty good, bro. If you ever had <laughs> one. Not the best. Don't or, or sopapillas with some honey, bro. Like, shoot. Come on, dog. Like, But no, I, I think, man, damn, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to, I'm probably going to keep it. Because I'm not a big sweets guy, so let's let's call it what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think for me, as far as dessert goes, I, I'd probably go with like a a tiramisu. Oh my god! Oh my right. god! Next, that was next. my answer, dude. That, that was literally yeah. my answer. <laughs> Scott, I expected that because Scott, like, New York Le- Italian, like yeah. no legit, no. legit. You no, go, no, no. That, you go to Little Italy, you get a yeah. tiramisu. Like I'm, I'm a happy or, man. Like, or 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 let's let's. All right, a cannoli and an espresso after after dinner. That's legit. You're done. For sure. You're, you're out of here. Like, All right. We're 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 going hot. on it. We're going on a nice little stroll. Yeah. <laughs> hot yeah. take. Hot, hot take. I'm not really a big fan of cannolis. I'm not gonna lie. Like Oy I love so. I love tier- the the actual so cannoli cream. Fantastic. Love yeah. it. Yeah. The actual cannoli. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. So yours. So yours. So Scott. So I don't even have to come to you. Your tiramisu too. 
tiramisu. Yeah, that's oh my God, go-to. No. Second would be okay. second would be coconut cake if I had to. What? Co- <laughs> okay. Coconut vanilla cake, the best. Okay. <laughs> Andrew, I'm, I'm hoping Andrew's got like something legit here that I can be like, okay, I'm with it. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say, I, I kind of corroborate what Mike's saying, but co- oh, coconut cake might be onto something. Um, no, so, so, so like <laughs> what, what Mike's saying, right? Like, uh, I am not a sweets person either, right? With, with candy, with whatever, I, I prefer tart over chocolate. Um, I'll tell you what, when I was in London, it was summer pudding that got me just the. Oh, hell's yeah. The tartness um, absolutely crushed me, but I'll I'll tell you what: if I could inject cannoli filling directly <laughs> into my veins, I absolutely would. I I don't give a shit if it's bought from a Publix deli section. I am going to choke down a cannoli um, and and shamelessly also. Um, so yeah, yeah, not a big cream-based ice cream fan. I I prefer sorbet to to ice oh, cream. I hate to say. Oh my god! Get over it, man. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's just preference. If if my taste is hip, you know, can't really fault me for that. <laughs> oh, of course not. It's amazing. I love you. Man. Yeah. So that's where I lie, man, and I love you too. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, I was going to say that ice cream is the number one because you can go so many different ways and toppings and so on and so forth. But, all right, moving on. Twitter questions, finally. We only have a couple, so it'll be fast. The first one is um, Scott and Andrew will know exactly who this is. This is from at Chelsea Nath. He asks, which Chelsea signing are you most are you guys most looking forward to seeing and why? Um, I'll start, for me, it's Ziyech. I love a cocky winger, someone who's got that arrogance about him. I love left-footed players. I don't know why. I think there's something technical about them that just, you know, you don't really see. And Ziyech has that I-don't-give-a-shit attitude that, you know, we need and every team needs that one player who just thinks he's above all. So for me, it's Ziyech. And uh, Mike, I'll go to you next. No, I, I, I concur. Um, I love and I'm the same. I'm in the same boat. I love a left-footed player that plays on the right side. I love that inverted uh, winger. Um, and yeah, what we saw when he <laughs> when he got when he floated that 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 pass in there uh, to Cho. I mean, that I think any one of us finishes that. By the way, um, yep. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, okay, we're good. Um, no, no, I'm I'm totally one hundred percent with you on that. Okay, and Andrew. Uh, it's it's got to be Ziyech as well. Um, okay. Shout out, absolutely love the guy. Um, his delivery from a dead ball or even in stride, right? Like in that bright and friendly, um, that ball to Cho was orgasmic. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, he is a phenomenal player, and uh, shades of Arjun Robin uh, in mm. both the inverted winger capacity and the injury capacity so far in his Chelsea tenure. So um, ZH, I am absolutely elated to watch play. I cannot wait for him to uh, get full fitness. Hells yeah. Um, and finally, Scott. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all all of you. I mean, first off, shout out to Chelsea Nath. He's such a great guy. And uh, awesome. uh, yeah, great content. So um, thanks for the question. No, for me, it's Timo. Um, Timo, I actually said on a pod a couple of days ago before uh, the Brian game, Timo to me is um, someone who can change a team. I watch a lot of Leipzig following Tyler Adams. And um, he just knows how to put the ball in the back of the net and he's creative and he's someone you can rely on in the box. So um, I'm really excited for Timo. Um, yesterday didn't disappoint. So I think big things are coming for uh, Mr. Werner. Yeah, that's a great shot. I mean, Timo's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, next question comes from another member of the WWC team. It's from Alf 10 CFC, probably the nicest guy in the world. I think Michael will talk to that. 100%, 100%. For sure. He asks, uh, which one is better for breakfast, waffles or pancakes? Mike, go ahead. All right, waffles, uh, because I can put a piece of fried chicken on there. Mm. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like that reasoning behind that, but for me, it's, it's clearly pancakes. Um, anytime you can stack a carb... And and pour sugar on it and put stuff in between. I mean, that's that's a win. So, and then uh, waffles. Unfortunately, like when when you go out, you know, it could be hit or miss. They could be really dried out. It, it, could, it could be rough. So, um, pancakes are the safe bet. Real quick, I hop a Perkins. I hop. If you have a Perkins, I hop. All right, I saw. Okay, okay. I might. Not not quick, yeah not 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 according to Tiger Woods. He's a big Perkins fan. Um, if you guys. Got the reference. I don't. I don't understand the reference. No, no. He, uh, he, he, you know, he, he cheated on his wife with the Perkins waitress. Uh, oh shit! What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we don't. We don't. Yeah, we don't have those. But we do have a Waffle House, sir. And uh, I oh, might kindly, kindly yeah. remind you that uh, you can get all the smoke you want at a Waffle House, sir. I was gonna say I've actually never been to a Perkins, and I've been to an IHOP maybe once, so it was an easy choice okay, for me. Fair but all right, should have said Waffle House. Waffle. <laughs> Andrew, same question. Break, uh, for breakfast, waffles or pancakes? And then uh, it, it has to be waffles. Um, I I think that structurally the waffle. Oh, we lose him? It was, it was such an egregious <laughs> take that he was saying waffles. That exactly. Yeah, I booted him. <laughs> <laughs> No, go ahead. I'll answer that again for me, man. Oh, no, no, no. Um, so I, I think the the structural integrity of the waffle <laughs> were blatantly even distribution of syrup. It, it, it is, without a doubt, um, it, it is goaded. And um, I have to say in that same, you know, thinking that you know, in a Perkins versus IHOP debate, uh, Waffle House. Easily. <laughs> okay. Scattered, smothered in chunks without hesitation. And the fire is dirt cheap as well. You cannot go wrong with that. That's exactly right. I will say I appreciate Andrew bringing up structural integrity when talking about breakfast food. I like that. I mean, <laughs> trying to, you know, it's the same thing as the pineapple on pizza debate, right? It's um you you right, have no, that's, that's not <laughs> <laughs> sorry I have to cut you off. I'm not, I'm not doing it. 
<laughs> the second question comes from another one who's like we all know who's probably again one of the nicest people on Chelsea Twitter. Shout out to him, um, RJ. Good things. Um, he asks us which Chelsea player is going to be the most improved this season. Oh, I'll let you guys go first. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Yeah, from from one RJ to another, I think Reese James. Um, uh, I, I don't even think he had a goal last year, right? Did he? Uh, so he's already improved. Ajax, Ajax, man, it was the most important goal of the season. <laughs> no, in the league, I mean. In the no, league. no, no. This is his yeah. first. It's correct. Yeah. yeah. So um, <clears throat> no, no. I, I think he's going to break our year. I think he's going to show his dominance um, at that position. I think he's going to be an important um, figure for. Um, for the club and and for the league, and I, I do think my boy Pulisic is going to have a breakout year as well. I just think the the difference between last year versus this year edges out to to RJ in terms of improvement. That was a great shout. And uh, yourself, Andrew. You know, um, looking outside of the Chelsea squad, um, I. You know, as much as it pains me to see him go to West Brom as opposed to Palace, I think that Gallagher is going to have an absolutely phenomenal season. Really? He is top class. Uh, What him and and Rian Brewster did at Swansea, you know, uh, it's easy to forget about Gallagher with how much of a a role Rian Brewster played in that side. But Connor Gallagher is... uh, if he if he plays under Slavin Village, he is going to be a phenomenal player. Okay, that's an interesting take. I did not expect that. Um, and Mike, who's your breakout player this year? I think it's Mason Mount. Um, oh. you're, yeah, I, I think he's I think he's destined for. He's going to prove a lot of people wrong, man. In my opinion, I think he's a guy that just you know you didn't see it in the in in this in this first game, but I, I think there's something there that, that tells me looking at the minutes he played, looking at where the position that he was played in last season. Um, yeah. I think he's going to fit right in with what we want to do and what we want to accomplish with that, you know, the, the high pressing. And um, I, I think he's, he's going to be sort of the catalyst that gets us a lot of goals and a lot of, a lot of cheap goals at that. And I can see him winning a ball and I can see Timo Werner coming, <laughs> coming right behind him and just and then finishing it. So I, I see that I see that played out a lot this season. And I think this is a guy that's gonna really be, you know, uh, contributing a lot to us attacking, but also us being able to defend properly as well. Okay. Yeah, that's a great shot. I mean the fan base is gonna be on your ass about that one because this He's so diversive. I mean, I don't understand why. Just support your own players, man. I don't I don't understand why there's so much hate. Um, but for my answer, it's going to be the same as Scott's. Reese James, I think this is his year where he cements himself as England's number one right back. Um, I know Trent is phenomenal, but he is so suspect defensively. And I think if, <clears throat> excuse me, if Reese can shore up things a little bit defensively, um, then he's going to be the number one option. There's just no doubt in my mind. I think he's that good. Um, the final question comes from probably the one guy who uses gifts more than I do. Um, it's from at PD Blues twenty two, um, and shout out to him again. He's a legendary follower, and his question is: What is your go to appetizer pregame? That's a tough question. Um, I'm gonna go to Mike first. Um, 
it'd probably be a bang energy drink and a cigarette. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding, man. Um, yeah, no, no. If, if it's no, if it's if it's the morning, um, and I don't even know if you could even call it an appetizer, man. It's it's breakfast. Okay, talks. so say for let's let's yeah. for sake's purpose, say that this okay. is um a European night kickoff, and okay, it's at three o'clock. For us. Oh. Or or let's do a lunchtime kickoff. So, you know, okay. like five PM yeah. British time. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. Man, all right. I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do something stupid. I'm gonna do poutine. Oh, I love Oh that. yeah. Yeah, I'm nice. gonna do that and I'm gonna I'm gonna tear it up and I'm not sharing. <laughs> okay. okay. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, and uh PD Blue twenty two, he's a great guy. Um I you know if the stars align and and we're ready to have a big game and and we're hungry and we want to have some fun my go-to is always nachos you yes. know you, you spread it out yeah you spread out you get some of that uh that taco miko and you get some red peppers you throw some olives in there do a little cheese it's really important to spread it evenly so you don't skimp on some of those chips on the outside yes. and uh you know have yourself a nice little game a couple of beers call it a day for sure. Yeah, for me, just to echo that, it's, it's nachos and then as well as that, if you're still feeling chippy, I can fuck with some spinach and artichoke dip for sure. There you go. Nice. Good call. Andrew, what are you pre-gaming on? I absolutely adore Scott's structural analysis of nachos, <laughs> by the way. I think that um, too many people go middle heavy um, with nachos and it, really it, it, it compromises the integrity of the entirety of the dish right um so you know looking at it personally i i know you framed mics as um you know a a midday kickoff or a 3 p.m kickoff but um you know if i'm watching an early chelsea fixture at 6 or 7 a.m uh it's gonna be freezer popcorn chicken and uh (laughs) mike knows this it is uh whataburger spicy ketchup uh, absolute banger it's it's essentially sriracha ketchup um it is. and it is. uh yeah you know what I'll, I'll probably take a you know 9 9 a.m to 11 a.m nap just spooning a plate <laughs> of uh of chicken nuggets in bed and it is uh it's amazing to wake up to uh genuinely so you know i i finish finish 10 uh, during the match, and then I wake up and eat another uh, another cold ten. So <laughs> you are phenomenal, man. Oh, I love you so much. This I can't wait to tweet at you tomorrow and just say another cold ten and just yeah. <laughs> That's his new thing from now on, Andrew. Every morning. Next uh, next six a.m. kickoff, I'll uh, I'll send you a photo of me uh, spooning my my. Uh, I, I've actually bought ergonomically suitable plates for me in bed. They don't they don't tip um, condiments stay in place. So uh, you know oh, yeah. I've been pretty thoughtful about it. Yeah, you know I appreciate <laughs> that because instead of looking at your late night eating habits and saying like you know should I change this? No, no you're intentionally buying for it, and, and I respect that. Oh, I'm, I'm leaning into it. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> right, Scott, right? Like, um, I'll, I'll take a white cloth for the nightstand, you know, a giant, giant water flask of, uh, of H2O, and then a white claw for, uh, for post dinner, and then 6am, uh, stomach rumbling, 
and it is frozen chicken tenders for Andrew. I hate to say. <laughs> cold tenders. Frozen everything. Exactly. Yeah, it, that's exactly right. My my freezer probably has more in capacity than the entirety of my refrigerator. Honestly, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, and that that covers much pretty much everything. Uh, we've we've talked about a lot today, and it's been one of my favorites, just from a comedic standpoint as well as in depth. Um, so I want to start by thanking each and every one of you. Um, Scott, it is an absolute honor to ha- finally have you on. I've been wanting you on for a long time. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. And Colin, you know, great job moderating and awesome questions. And love your podcast, love your account. So just, just appreciate you having me on. Wow, that means a lot. Thank you so much. And again, to the newest member of WWC, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's not going to be the last time for sure. It is absolutely a pleasure, guys. Um, I am looking forward to many more moderated conversations through you, Kamal, um, and hopefully hosting you with Mike um, in Austin soon. Yes, yeah, I'll definitely be up for that whenever this stupid virus disappears and we can all live our normal lives. I'm definitely down for that. We're we're in second to last and last place in that, so we'll we'll figure it out soon. For sure, for sure. Again, and uh, Mike, as usual, you're a reg- Mr. Regular on here, but as always, got to thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. you coming on and making time. Absolutely, brother. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And um, fun little fact, there, Andrew, I did ship Corey and Kamal Rudy's barbecue sauce. So oh, I'm, did, slowly, I'm slowly I'm slowly converting them um, into the the ways of Texas sauces. Uh, that is how it starts, man. Exactly. You start so cold brisket so soon, and uh, <laughs> here, you know, by the summer, by next summer, I guess. Yeah, no, that sauce is unreal. So thank you, Mike, for that. That's absolutely <laughs> one of the, if not, I'll be honest, it's, it's the best barbecue sauce I've ever had. Tremendous. All right. Again. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's, you know, we're going on two hours, so we definitely appreciate your time. Thank you, everybody, for the questions. We hope you enjoyed the content. As always, you know where to follow us um, at WWC Pods Articles. You know, episodes are going to be coming thick and fast as the new season starts. And as always, I've got to wrap